This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like yourselves worldwide. And the best part is that it's completely free. So sign up today at www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. It takes just a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get our next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. That's www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights for free. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It Podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. I'm Alex Bowling. I'm the director, writer, actor, and producer on my 54 film, The Hollywood Sunset. Hi, my name is Bryson Sams. I am the producer, director, editor, and visual effects artist on Jackson Cross, my 54 film. Hello, I'm Sebastian Badillo. I'm Joseph Bracey. And I'm Kendall Laster. We are MTSU Film Guild. We are the producers of, of Whisper in the Vines. Hi, my name is Sedona Fredo. I am writer, actress, director, producer for my films, Lies of Loyalty and Treatment. And I am Paul Epson, and I am the director, cinematographer, editor of Behind the Foosball. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my good friend and co-founder with me, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello, and say hello to the finalists of the 54-Hour Film Fest. Hello, everybody. Hey, so cool. how's it going? It's so Hello. Cool. <laughs> hello. There we go. Come on, guys. Oh, hello. Come on. You know, like, <laughs> there you go. Five part harmony. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. It's good to see you guys. Maybe we should contextualize the 54 for the audience. I think maybe a lot of the filmmaking audience that, that listens and watches this podcast has heard of the 48 hour film festival. Sorry, Apollonia, yep. I hate to bring up a competitor on this call, but <laughs> uh, no on, this, on, on, the, on, on this conversation, but just, but, but just to contextualize it, it's very similar. You're going to have 54 hours to make a film. Uh, they hit you with uh, the, the plot and they hit you with some curveballs that you have to add to your film dialogue. You have to add to your film. Your credits have to be a certain length. There's a lot of qualifications in order to even qualify. And, and what we have here with us today are the five filmmakers, or I should say seven filmmakers that made five films at final, that made the finals of the 54-hour film fest. And uh, it's really a difficult thing 
to do. I, I, I'm fascinated by it. There's a part of me deep down that has always wanted to try it. Maybe I'll get with one of you guys after this and figure out how we can try it. Um, oh, just Nick say and I are, there we go. Alex. <laughs> I would recommend it. I would recommend it. It's a blast. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Nick and I are idea machines. We have a lot of short film ideas because it just and Sedona seems... already did two this year. So what's one more, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's amazing, Sedona. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like part of part of me is like, how do you even get Listen. it done? We've seen a bunch of filmmakers do it. We're close to filmmakers who have done it, but when I put myself in your shoes, it feels impossible. So I just wanted you to all hear sincerely how much I admire what you accomplished. I've seen films be in the forty-eight and fifty-four that were they look like they took 48 hours 54 hours to do your films you know rose above that bar so first and foremost congratulations and just know that like sincerely admire what you're able to accomplish thank you no of course yeah, absolutely we're gonna and golf then, clap that we're gonna golf clap that yeah, that's is that, is, that, is that where I should add like a clap clap? Yeah, right. Media exactly. We'll add that yeah. later, right? Well, Live yeah. studio audience. Yeah, we'll there there it is. We'll, you got we'll it. Add that yeah. in, we'll add that in post. And I just want to start with with you, Alex. I would love to hear a little bit about the ch the biggest challenge you had making your wonderful film. I think it's called the Hollywood Sunset. Correct. Tell us what the Hollywood Sunset is about, and tell us what that what your biggest challenge was in, in with the constraints. Yeah, so the Hollywood Sunset is actually a metaphor. I wanted to do a really female-driven story, and I was so blessed to have a wonderful co-writer and co-producer, Priscilla Wise, who is also an amazing female storyteller. So I did an all-female cast, uh, really, you know, females women in almost every of the major positions of film. I had a female editor, director, writer, producer, cinematographer, and an all-female cast. And so the Hollywood sunset is a metaphor, the aging in Hollywood and how it takes a really dramatic toll on women. Mm. It's very hard for them to maintain that status aging gracefully through Hollywood. So that is the storyline. And actually, our biggest uh, struggle was location. We kept losing our location, falling through one reason or another. It ended up working out perfectly, as crazy things always do. Yeah. Um, but aside from continuously losing location, the other difficulty that is always the difficulty in film is post-production. <laughs> There's always sound issues file issues, internet issues, you name it, it's going to happen in post. <laughs> right. You still have that time constraint. So how do you speed up that post process? I, maybe even Sedona, you can address that. How? I'm sure you all had the same sort of pressure in post. How do you speed up the post process? Is it just length of film or, or are you using, let's say, smaller files? How do you do it? The biggest thing I've learned, because I have done, I have actually done the 48 before, um, and I, this is my third year now doing the 54, 
with actually more people on my team yeah. versus just myself or just me and a girlfriend because um, that was my first two years. So the biggest thing I learned is I have to, which is common practice, I'm sure, yeah. because oh, I wow. also edited my films. I'm not an editor at all. So I really made sure this year <laughs> to sync up the audio beforehand versus trying to do that. And apparently yeah. there's also a faster way to do that in Premiere Pro. Then I realized. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Sinks, and I didn't know that. Mm. I didn't that's know amazing. that until this year. So that's, I think, the biggest thing with post is also have an idea of where you want your color correction to be and have a flow already in mind for how you want to cut things. Because otherwise, it's going to, you're going to scramble in, in the post end. And that I spent wow. 18 hours. Yeah. So, eight, but 18 straight hours, it's right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, legitimately. 18. Can you tell us I about your movie Treatment? Daring. What it's all about? Yes. So Treatment is the story of three different women getting the same treatment on their body, getting their tubes tied and their different experiences. Okay. And their different struggles of what they've gone through. And it comes from a place of I've been mistreated in the medical field and I also wanted to highlight how people of color, specifically women of color, are treated differently. Shay, our wonderful actress in it, actually had been told, mm. well, have you taken ibuprofen before mm. for a major procedure? So it's something I wanted to highlight and something that's not very much talked about, especially in today's world. Yeah, I, and I love that, happening. by the way, Chris, because there's that double entendre there with the word treatment. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. It, yeah. and it, you could feel that throughout the entire film. So, so well done there. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Thank you. And this is where I go on a tangent a little bit, uh, as I as as I do. But as it is do. interesting that in healthcare, so much of your treatment or quality of care, quality of treatment, will come down to who you are in your community and beyond, and what questions did you know to ask. And how forceful were you in finding the right care, the right person to care for you? I have watched a few situations over time where there was never, you know, people that had serious illnesses, there was never a conversation about curing them. But how can we triage you into sort of the best life you can have for as long as you can have it, but you're definitely going out. But what you might notice is that if you're a tech founder or a politician, you jump right to the front of the line for a transplant, organ transplant. You jump right to the front of the line for cure. You get all the experimental treatments. You don't have to fight some PPO to get to around your primary care doctor or the doctor they recommend. So I think it's a really important story to tell on a bunch of different levels. You really have to be an asshole in order to sometimes get the care you want. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to my primary care doctor and said, hey, have you heard of this? And I love him, and, but he says, no, I've never even heard of that. And you might say to yourself, well, Chris, how is that possible? It's possible because they are running a business in which one person comes in and leaves and the next person comes, leaves, comes, leaves. Comes. They don't have time to research the, the effects of rapamycin 
or the anti-cancer effects of metformin or any of these other things that an avant-garde physician would know. So you really have to ask yourself the right question or you'll find yourself on pills for the rest of your life and people who are caring for you sort of waiting for your invoice, uh, waiting for your bill to come in, your payment to come in and waiting for you to die. And I, I think to that end, you know, I really enjoyed your movie, enjoyed all your movies, but I, I, I enjoyed the subject of your movie quite a bit. I think it's, I think it's very relevant. Anyway, tangent done. Uh, stepping <laughs> so off my soapbox. Left, <laughs> come back. So, <right>. Sebastian, <laughs> tell me about the MTSU Film Guild first of all, and then tell me about the film you guys made. I love the name of it. I am a Blue Raider, graduated in 2008. So you are my people. We love to hear. And that. I had no idea the Film Guild existed at all. And no, really? I've never heard of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, and then tell me about your movie Whisper in the Vine. Well, MTSU Film Guild. <laughs> We've been around for at least a decade, like since 2010, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I wasn't there, um, <laughs> but but we've just been we've just had the mantle passed on to us to produce this mm. year, and we really had a good crew. Um, I was the person that was like calling the shots. I was the one who was like, "I need more producers. This isn't the one man thing." So I got these two right. on, and it's just been a blast. If you can't learn in the classroom setting like right. everything, that's what MTSU Film Goat's all about. It's an organization where everybody gets to learn and be better filmmakers. Who's the founder? Who founded the MTSU Film Guild? We actually don't know. <laughs> we we'd love to know though. Um, we don't really know. We just know it's been around Satoshi for a while. Satoshi founded um, it. <laughs> the, guy, the guy that made Bitcoin founded the MTSU Film Guild as well. No one knows his true identity. <laughs> Oh man, but our film, y'all, y'all want to talk about that? Yeah, talk about that. You want to talk ahead. about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <go ahead. laughs> Nick demands you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nick go demands ahead. you. You talk about your film now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So our film, uh, we got horror, and honest, none of us knew how. To, I'm gonna straight up say it. None of us knew how to like make horror, and our director. He didn't really know how to do it either, but um, it's basically a story about. Um, he's going to watch this, in- you know that, right? Like he's going to see this. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, you said we get to call the shots. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're keeping that in. We're keeping got to keep that. Yeah, in. it's it's instrumental to the listenership. We, That's we right. Can't, we can't cut. But yeah, it's basically about a couple who move into a house, and the wife she keeps hearing like noises and stuff, and she can't like. I guess she's going like crazy or whatever. It's kind of like supernatural, I would say. We got to play around with a little bit of uh, VFX in it, and that was very interesting. I just like to say we are so proud of how we used our curveballs. So, so I, I want to know what that is. <laughs> Y'all so, it. throw it in there. What is it? Oh, you want me to yep. specify? Okay. Um, so there was a part where something had a yep. float. We had a floating. Box yeah. Right. <laughs> what was? It? Nobody. Yeah, that's what we did. And then the sign. It was a new house. Mm. It was a for sale sign. Look at him. Look at him. He's like, I got this. Get on our level. I got this. Really really well done because I think that my experience with these films in the past is that people try to get, and there's nothing wrong with this, but they try to get so creative with the curveball and some of the requirements that it seems to fall out of line with the story. And I think when it's done really well, it seems like it's just there naturally. 
like mm-hmm. a for sale sign in the house is a perfect, perfect application. And I want to commend, I don't know who is responsible for it. Could be someone. It's the writer. Well, there you go. There's well, I'll come in the, I'll, we had I'll come in the writers, but I wanted to commend something else. And I don't know if one of you three are responsible for it, but this film was professionally lit. The, the lighting oh, in your yeah. movie was remarkable for 54 or 48. Who, who did the lighting and the cinematography? The lighting was Mason Rich. He is a he's. I'd say he graduate next semester. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I know he. The first time. It was his first time, I believe. Yeah, it was he's first a time wonder kid. Ever for him to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, it, that's one thing about our set. We had a lot of freshmen on it, so it was a learning experience for all of us. That's awesome. And obviously, like us seniors, we we kind of just took our leadership and applied Applied it to the set, set, and we made that we made that baby happen. Who shot it? (laughs) Who shot it, Sebastian? It was um, Ben Martin. He was the DP, and we had a really a really solid uh, camera camera. Is he also a a freshman? No, no, Mason's a a senior. Okay, so they're both seniors. Got it. Got it. Got it. I got to tell you, shot well, lit professionally. And the acting, especially by the young lady, uh, the lead actress, was believable for horror. Yeah, no, that was the director's choice. Yeah, no, uh, what's her name? What's the actress's name? What's the lead actress's name again? Um, the the actress's name. Her name's Skyler. Um, oh no! Oh no! That's embarrassing. <laughs> I know that's really embarrassing. It's all good. No, her name's it's, just um, Skyler. Yeah. Skylar Spizak. Skylar Spizak. I believe that's how I pronounce Kudos to Skylar Spizak, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, I got to jump in on this, this yeah, one of the other themes in. there. What was cool about Alex's film is that there's this story here about women and, you know, yes. again, aging in Hollywood, right? So there's a this female-centric theme about a struggle that women go yeah. through. Then you have Sedona's film that is about how women struggle through treatment, Right they're struggling in treatment period, but then there's different levels of struggle based on who they are, where they come from. Right. And then I see this film about the whisper, right. And I'm watching this and I'm also seeing that there's a layer there about women because there's something there between the relationship, right? We won't get into you know, there's no spoilers or anything like that here, but there's a relationship (laughs) there that's demonstrated in this film that kind of talks to, you know, the male and female relationship and I thought that that was that was very nicely done too. You're you're seeing something there where again I know it's it's hard in a lot of horror movies you have this hey I heard a thing and the other person's like no you didn't hear the thing, but sometimes it can just be a matter of disbelief, right? That no you didn't hear that maybe you're going crazy. But then there's this feeling of no, right? You need to be in your place, right? I'm gonna put you in your place, and that's kind of how I got yeah. it. It was like. There's something yeah. else here about dominance in that relationship that I thought came through the acting uh, that I thought it was also had somewhat of a kind of female or feminine centric view on how you know women can be treated in a relationship. So I thought there's an interesting theme uh, across the three films. It's a great point. And just to touch on Alex's movie again, really quick. There's a filmmaker in LA named Tracy Hayes, award-winning filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And she has a short film about ageism in Hollywood that is based on a true story or, you know, sort of her true experience in that. So I think it, it's an ongoing debate. 
the ageism isn't the debate. The debate is the function of it. On one of our feature films, when we went to sell it, you know, one of the questions that came up was, you know, did this person take their shirt off? And while the question felt appalling on its face, it was also said in such a professional way mm -hmm. that, right. you know, it wasn't said in a, in a frat boy way. It was just like this person value in the film goes up because audience members want to see that. And so it, there becomes this debate about that, which is like, yes, it's a little gross to hear on its face, but can we all as honest human beings deny the fact that a movie does better when the sex scenes are hotter or when a superstar model is less clothed rather than more clothed? And then the conversation turns into what are we as a society almost, right? Like, <laughs> but, but the bottom line on the movie is like, you know, distributors that are investing millions of dollars into your movie want to know that stuff and are owed those answers because now they have to try to make money on this thing you made. It's a, there we'll, we'll get back to it because, because I want to, I want to get Paul and Bryson into the conversation. Yeah. Bryson, your film, Jackson Cross, it made me laugh in the best possible way. And well, I want to hear, and I want to know, listen, listen, you can, you can tell me to, you know, to shut up or whatever, like, or that I'm just like being an ass, but I really want to know, like, was your intent here to do, to do something that felt a little punchy or, or were you trying to play it straight the whole time? And that's how, like, cause, cause to me, I thought this is really fun and cool. And I, I loved how some of the stuff done by the character Jackson Cross I found was like over the top and hilarious. Tell us about the movie and then tell us what your intent tone wise is and was. Yeah. So we joined the 54 because we were trying to essentially take a break from a really serious project that we're mm -hmm. currently working on. Mm -hmm. It's actually rather depressing. So we wanted to you do mean quite the opposite. Of the tone. Okay. Oh, the, the tone, yeah, the tone for the other one is, is quite that. So we wanted to make something that was quite the opposite and just to kind of have a break from that. Whenever we got Action or Spy, we were like, well, come on, we got to do something that's like over the top corny. So, you know, basically the idea behind it is that Jackson Cross is the best spy that, you know, anyone has ever seen. Everything is so easy to him. Yeah. Like, it's just fun. But it's, it's actually like, it, he's so, he's so good at what he does he's actually bored of it so it's like every like there's nothing new he never finds anything that catches him by surprise so in that opening interrogation scene he's sitting there doing it it's like he's done this a hundred thousand times and he's dunking the guy in the tank and he's just trying so many random things and of, of course uh i don't know as soon as we that, that opening interrogation scene was actually the first thing that we came up with in the writer's room because you know i wrote the the film with uh, scotty demarest and, and israel ridley and it was, it was like fire in that room. It, like we were sitting there, like I have a video of it. It was just us writing and we were like, I mean, we could not stop laughing. So we were really hoping that it would, that it would translate well on screen, but it was, it was really something, something special. And then on, on set, you know, we, you know, we were just having a blast filming it. Obviously, you know, it was long hours and, and, and whatnot, but even to answer your question, Jackson Cross, the character was supposed to be so good at what he does that, you know, his confidence needed to be 
of the utmost like like we needed to respect his confidence right but we also needed to like essentially in order to to raise him up we need to raise everyone else like down several levels (laughs) yeah and so he a super confident spy and competent spy of course goes into this uh this building and, and everyone is so incompetent and we thought that there was a really cool dynamic there and he was you know everything within his little mannerisms and you know it took a little bit to dial it in but i just think it was i don't know i think it i think it played off really well who yeah, did the choreography? Did. Essentially, like it was kind of a, a group effort. Uh, I worked with the actors to sort of find a good placement for everything. I mean, really, it was a pretty small crew. We only had, I think, like six people uh, total in the in the group. So as far as that goes, I was in that scene, the, the main scene with the three guards and then Jackson Cross himself. Yep. We kind of worked on the blocking. We first built our set and kind of worked with our blocking and, and everything and try, try to just see what worked. We rehearsed it a few different times, just kind of like the overall you know, scope of the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we essentially got a wide of everything. Of course, I had to get killed off first because, you know, I had I had to be behind the camera for yeah, the some majority work. of it. But, you know, once we got all of that blocked out and whatnot, we just kind of got all of our key moments, you know, with the goons uh, and then turned around to, to Jackson Cross himself to his, uh, you know, his thing. So it was a, it was a lot of, it was a big collaborative effort with, uh, you know, the, the choreography. And, and I think that we all just kind of, work to see what would work really well and what was funny there's also kind of like a hidden a hidden joke in 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 there i don't know if anyone caught on to it the pistol guard the guy that comes up to jackson cross with the pistol he only has one bullet in the gun because when jackson cross shoots him with the bullet the gun locks back yep and he's like huh yeah so he puts it down yeah yeah, puts it down visual (laughs) humor visual humor i don't know (laughs) yeah but i I think uh you know at, at minimum with with us being you know, having so much fun on set. Uh, I really think it shows. And I, I think that it, I mean, you can tell that we had fun making it, whether the audience laughs or not, you know, hopefully people find it funny. At least we had fun making it. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was funny. And the yeah. tropes were <laughs> so on the nose that, that I was, I was like, okay, this, this is hilarious. And, uh, like when he, like when he said to that one goon, it's empty, I, oh, I almost puked. <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, I yeah, and while, while closing his jacket, his sport coat, yeah. He's like, yeah, come on now, this is this is this is hilarious. You know what was nice about that film is that you invented a character, right? And what I mean by that is that yeah. this is a the type of character that you could say, yeah, we need this again. This is Naked Gun, right? Like this is <laughs> you know this is like one of those characters where you're like, we need that type of the world again. Needs it. Yeah, the world needs that type of thing again because. It just puts us in this place like, let's laugh at ourselves. Let's laugh at the fact that many, if not all of these movies are the same movie, right? It's, as you're watching yeah. all these action films, you're like, oh, that dude's going to come out with a semi-automatic weapon. And somehow our hero is going to dodge every last bullet. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like yeah, yeah. how is that going to happen? And then and then they're going to hide behind something, Did right? you see and how slow Jackson go- Cross slid behind that it's white cube? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. yeah, was great. Yep. So the slide was like so that. slow. It was perfect, but that's the idea of it. It's like, it allows us to laugh a little bit because, you know, what we are mm. seeing is we're seeing a ton of horror. We're seeing a ton of drama. And then we're getting those action films that just blow everything up. Right. And it's nice to have those things in between that just remind us that one, you don't have to be focused on kill or be killed. Right. Which is the action and the the horror. The other one, like you were saying, Bryson, like you're dealing with a serious project over there that's like going to bum you out. You know, like we get bummed out by a lot of drama these days. Like we don't have to be bummed out. 
you can actually just go and laugh and just be in some ridiculousness that may, again, naked gun airplane, you know, all these types of things. So I thought it was great that you created a character that we could just laugh at. So well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, Jackson cross was definitely like the most fun that I've had on set, which I mean, I, I've, we've done, uh, multiple 54s and uh, we even did a 48 and a lot of times we, we hint towards like the, the drama, uh, and that's why this time, especially because of the other project we're working on, it's really fulfilling to have made a comedy and to look back and, and find it in a, in a very nice light. Yeah, here, awesome. here. And Paul, let's talk about your mockumentary, which I thought was, let me just say, so it's called Behind the Foosball, but it's the, to me, a mockumentary is a great format for a 54. It really opens itself up for it. It's a It's a way to sort of bring in any topic, have minimal cast and crew, minimal locations, and sort of minimal expense to the shoot. Tell everybody about Behind the Foosball, where the idea came from, the film, and uh, and, and tell us a little bit about your, your inspiration for, for making it. Yeah, so we got the, uh, t- the topic of documentary or satire. Mm-hmm. So we just... Let's make a mockumentary. And the writer is a high school friend from out in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and we're in South Dakota. So you said you're in uh, South I Dakota. I yep, I'm in South Dakota. Yep. Holy moly! What's the temperature right now? It is thirty. Hopefully above okay. thirty, but we're close in there. We just got five inches of snow last night, but uh, it should be gone by tomorrow. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> wow. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another element of uh, of needing. Our locations should probably be indoors so that we're not shooting outside because this happened almost a month ago at this point. So, but anywho, so I knew that the, the writer that we had, uh, could write in the documentary style slash mockumentary. And, you know, it's, it's, I knew he'd be good at dialogue and getting the storyline through. So that's kind of why we went with that. As far as cast and crew, it's just all my friends. I'm the only one that really has any <laughs> experience in any sort of filmmaking or anything. Everyone else is just friends that like having fun. So, so that's kind of how that worked out. And um, what are your aspirations? What, what are you going to do in film? How, how did you get into this? I during high school, I interned with a production company. I realized then that I like doing that stuff. So that's what I went to college for. And then in college, I got an internship with South Dakota Public Broadcasting. And so then interned with them for two years and then got lucky enough to get hired on with them. And so then for the past 10 years, I've been working with public broadcasting and making documentaries and uh, all sorts of stuff, educational programs, everything. And on the side, then I would freelance out and do projects on the side. And now a year ago, I... uh, uh, left public broadcasting, and I'm just in my own production company now, making videos and everything for clients. So, pitch the name That's of your awesome. production company, Epson House Productions. Epson House Productions. And did you ever get to work or meet Kim Burns in your documentary with PBS Days? I did not get to meet him. He, he's got a great master class out there, though. That yep. it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, we'll check it. We'll we'll check it out. I I, I love those master classes as well. We have had a bunch of guests on that have worked with him directly. So I was just, I had to, had to ask that. Okay. So before it gets away from me, why Mm -hmm. behind the foosball? What, why this subject, why this uh, topic for a mockumentary? 
Yep. So we we bounced around quite a few ideas. The one of the lead actors, what was his name? Tim, because his actual name's Tom, <laughs> but his name's Tim in the yeah. So he he had the idea that he really he's always had this idea where it's a group of older dads that are really into Foursquare and they go to like the the elementary schools and play competitive Foursquare. They think that they're competitive, and so. Our writer could see the story in that, and since it was snowing, we figured, well, maybe let's make it be about tubing. And they go down down the sleds and tubes, and again, they're really trying to be professional about it. But I didn't want to shoot outside in 15-degree weather all day. Mm-hmm. And we got to get releases for every location and everything, so I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. But again, the storyline is easy to move along quickly and get out. So... We, we bounced around another couple ideas, and one of them was an HGTV-style dad decorating show, since satire was an option. And it was the crux was going to be that uh, they basically just fight over, like, one little photo on the wall that it, it's just, yeah, it's just the, the wife and husband, they can't, can't get it out. So we were trying to figure out what that maybe could be, and in the basement where we were figuring this stuff out, uh, there was a foosball table. Right, yeah. And and so then I'm like, time out. If we've got a foosball table back here, let's take that sport theme of professional people doing sports that aren't actually professional yet, you know what I mean? And uh, let's push that into foosball because now that keeps us in one location, makes it easy. We don't need as many. There can only be two people at a foosball table. So... That's how that kind of all came about out of not necessarily necessity, but made it easy. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And I'll, and I'll say this. There's, there's two things I wanted to offer for this film. So the first one is thank you for not spinning. Right. You can't, exactly. you can't spin. There's no spinning in nope. foosball. Right. <laughs> that, that's, that's how Jimmy got hurt. You can't be spinning. You get hurt when that happens. Exactly. And then the second thing is. I got a foosball table. So like, I love playing foosball with the kids and they're getting into it as well. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh heck yeah. Behind the foosball. I'm all in. So thank you for that. <laughs> I don't think anybody yeah. follows that rule. So right? yeah, you go. Oh, yes, you, you do. Nick, 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 you oh, might Sebastian, not want to spin. <laughs> no spinning in foosball, no crying in baseball. I, they're just rules. You no no the rule that there are rules that's the, the rules the opposite of that everybody's gonna spin nobody mm-hmm. can stop it no no nobody's yeah, gonna, yeah, like out. like this idea that you're gonna be at some random place and like walk away and be a bad sport because some person's spinning like you don't even know what constitutes a spin was that too hard too soft no like, Chris look, no it's listen. not gonna happen no, you know no, what's gonna listen, happen listen, you're gonna give to, in to the corruption to you. and you are gonna then spin. I know you have to understand this is how you do this. And, you know, okay. Paul, if you do this uh, film like this again, you can take this. OK, you can steal this from me. All right. So, Chris, mm-hmm. this is how you handle it. Anytime okay. you play foosball, you just make sure that you always have a little cup of water. OK, mm-hmm. so this is just, you know, if you get thirsty, you can drink some water. Mm-hmm. But if somebody spins, you throw that water right in their face. There's <laughs> 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 no spinning. <laughs> and that's it. You did the spinning. It just doesn't happen again. You get that water in your face, man. It's just, it's over. Sebastian So knows. you have to. All, to him. You have he to, doesn't spin anymore. 
You have to be prepared to fight. <laughs> you yes. have to, like, because that's what I'm saying. A lot, of, a lot of people, if they're playing foosball, they're playing with an absolute stranger. And so mm-hmm. your options really are like just leave and quit the game or just start spinning yourself. <laughs> and the bar to learn how to do that well is so low because foosball is such a basic game, you know, mm. like for basic bitches. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, like, see, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, foosball. I love foosball. foosball is a, is my a game. And my actually, daughter they, Lyndon, they professional. My daughter players. Lyndon went to an arcade yes. and beat every person that played. She was eleven, I think, at the time. She beat every person in the entire. It was a cruise. Every person on the boat that played her, she became a legend that week. <laughs> It was unbelievable. Am I saying I taught her? Maybe. But the point is, is that she beat every person Maybe. on the boat and she spinned her ass off. She was spinning <laughs> this hand, that hand. Nobody yeah. called her for anything and they were spinning too. So I say sometimes it's like, have you, how many, listen, me and Nick happen to be the only black people on this call. That's not a big deal. But I want to know, have any of you guys played spades with a black person? Do you guys know what spades is? <laughs> I was going to say that. I was like, have any of y'all played with a Hispanic person? Right. So it's a card game. Okay. Card game. It's, like, it's like, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So if you go to a, a black person's house to play spades and have a spades tournament, there's one rule you have to know right up front. There's a few rules, but there's a one big rule you have to know right up front. House rules. House rules. It's not like poker where the where if you're playing Texas Hold'em, that's Texas Hold'em. No. In spades, you have to play how the person who owns the house plays or get the fuck out. Uh-huh. That's how yeah, yeah. it works. Uh-huh. And, and if you have a problem with house rules, like I said, you can leave. But we're going to play spades. We're going to drink this liquor. We're going to have this food and we're going to play. Look, Sebastian knows. We're going to have this. We're going to have this party and you're going to play the way we play. And I feel like foosball, Paul, no offense. I think foosball is the same way. You have to play the way the room is playing. <laughs> With Paul, ours, you, I mean, Paul, what do you think? Hey. Do, do, I, do I make a case, Paul? Do I make a case? <laughs> no. okay. You're you're 100 percent correct. Okay. If, if you're playing, you know, uh, on a cruise ship or, you know, for fun and and if. If everyone agrees that spinning's allowed, sure, go for it. There you go. But with ours, we're we were sanctioned. And we got rules we gotta follow. Exactly. Thank you, Paul. And Thank those you. rules in a sanction, you're not spinning. No spinning. Boom. All right. Look, yeah, that solved that it right argument. there. That solved right. it for me. That's, that's Nick, right. I feel I feel I feel heard today. <laughs> I feel good, heard, man. Now. It's all good. We we, we appreciate I wanna, your pushback, but we appreciate Paul for following the rules. Thank you, sir. Paul, I think if this were being filmed by ESPN, you're dead on. Now, I want to ask the room, and any of you guys can jump in. And I hope it's not controversial. I don't I don't intend it to be, but I do want people to not only be entertained and inspired by you guys, but I also want them to be educated. And I just want to know from your experience, like Bryson mentioned, he's done several 54s, 48s. What can the 54 do better? What can they get better at? What feedback can you give? The biggest thing for me, and I know that they have been trying to work on this, and I think that 
the podcast and things like this will also help, but it's always the, the community of it because mm. I always feel like I have to have my team ahead of time to enter it. It's never like, Oh, I feel like doing it. And then I'll figure out my team because there's somebody else who wants to do it and they can mm. be a part of my team. So it's like, they're trying to get to that point, but I have a hard time finding like random crew who maybe somebody's like, Oh, I'm an assistant director or I'm an assistant camera or whatever. It's like, I don't know who those people are if we've never worked together. Yeah. Got it. What suggestions do any of you have to sort of remedy that? If you're planning on doing a 54, uh, I would recommend like, at least for me, what I've like seen in the past is kind of having your people that you can go to and then just kind of have that crew that you can use for whatever festivals you're using uh, or you're, you're doing, at least that's what's been beneficial for me. But I understand like not everyone has like those contacts and whatnot. And I think that, I mean, cause I know the 54 website, they have uh, spaces for talent as well that people can sign up for. I think that could be another thing for people who maybe don't want to do it on their own, but they could sign up as crew for, for other people to use um, as well in their groups, similarly to the talent uh, that they have. It's interesting because yeah, you, like you end up with a database that's similar to, yeah. you know, an entertainment commission database. Uh, and then it, it ends up being on those crew members, Bryson, maybe to keep their information updated. You know, if, if I sign up to that in 2023 and nobody calls my phone until 2025, maybe I'm dead, you know, <laughs> or maybe I'm, I've moved on to a different career or whatever, you know, it might be. So it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. Right. It's better than nothing. But it does remind me, Nick, of something we talk about a lot, which is playing long term games with long term players. I think it's one of the most important. It's one of the most important principles in all of filmmaking. You know, how do you get there? Well, for those who are looking to join a team to play long term games with long term players, it might mean working for free. I think the 54 and the 48 are incredible breeding grounds for film crews and and teams. And here's one trick that, that we've suggested in the past, go to the award ceremony of one of those festivals. And this is where you can see all the films. And what you're really looking for is the, let's say the, the bottom, the bottom eight or nine, 10 films that you would say, failed in your concentration and your expertise. So let's say you're a sound person. You're looking for the 10 worst films or the three worst films, just whatever number you can handle films that had the worst sound that you know you can bring value and you just write down their names, director's names, producer's names, meet them after the festival's over, shake their hand, say, hey, uh, I'm Bryson Sams. Uh, I'm a sound guy, Uh, really liked your film. Thought it was great. I think I can bring something to the table from a sound perspective for you. Would love to work for you for free in your next film. You go there, uh, work with them for free, absolutely crush it. And when you crush it, that's when you get paid every time going forward. Yeah. And I think I've had some that, success with that. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's, well, no, that's awesome. I was going to say the long term games with the long term people. You know, Chris and I, you'll hear us distill that down to you know, basically two words, and that's no mercenaries. Right. So that's our thing is yep. just the whole goal is to create a team, right? And that team could be as large as 20 to 30 people, 
that you're pulling from for the different types of things that you do. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that you're never going to succumb to people who don't share your passion, who don't share your vision and who don't share, you know, some deep seated or deep, deeply rooted um, connection to one another. Right. And I think that's where we see some films fail is that they don't have that connection to one another because it's like like for Chris and I, like the the success of this podcast is because of the fact that he and I care about each other as much as we care about the product or the project or the people Mm -hmm. that we have on here that we're platforming. Right. So if you're working with people that you care about and that care about you again, no mercenaries, then you can do so much better because they'll be doing so much better for you. But go ahead, Bryson. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I had, uh, I have had similar success, uh, kind of in the past with, you know, various like interns that I've, that I've been able to work with and, and whatnot, like, uh, I've gone to the local high school or college, uh, like film program or whatever, and, and, you know, put up flyers or talk to the professors and try to see if there's anyone that's willing to, you know, kind of get their, you know, toes wet and, um, you know, some filmmaking. And then, you know, those, essentially you'll, you can get some applicants or some people that you work with on some films and you'll carry on with some from that group and, you know, they'll kind of stay with you for the long term, and then others uh, will just kind of do their own thing and also become successful and, and do their thing. But I mean, for, for me and for, for Tape Slate Productions, we've had some success like in kind of building those long-term relationships on, mm-hmm. you know, a multiple project basis. My cinematographer for Jackson Cross was actually a previous intern on another project of mine. Um, oh, cool. And uh, we actually, I mean, I've seen him grow like exponentially in, in his craft. And, and you know, I think he, he's, he teaches all of us quite a lot as far as, you know, when it comes to lighting and, you know, composition and, and all of that stuff. And I think we all kind of help each other learn as well, which is good about, you know, a long-term team. Where are you That's located, awesome. Bryson? Uh, we're in Franklin, Franklin, okay. Tennessee. Franklin, Tennessee. And then Sedona, where are you located? I'm in Nashville. Nashville. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure that so, so I know where everybody's located because uh, Paul threw me for a loop with South Dakota, <laughs> and I, which I think, I is, which I think is great about it being the community thing, because when I in 2020, when I first did it, I did the 54 completely by myself um, just because mm. I didn't really know anybody in the film community here. And I then the next year it was when it opened again, then it was just me and my best friend and we shot it on our iPhone. So I think having some sort of ability to reach out, whether that's even with something like, oh, hey, the 54 is coming up in six months. Let's have a mixer now, like start reaching out, start like seeing who your team is. Because even this time around, we had an extremely limited team and all of our team that was behind the camera was also in front of the camera, pretty much, except for uh, Aaron's brother, um, Eddie, who did our sound. But like we didn't have a gaffer. We were lighting with ring lights in my box light or a grip and I am not a professional editor. <laughs> right, right, so right. I definitely, I've, I, I've done like 10 rolls again. So like a mixer or something to where preferably I'm not doing as much again would be nice. What was uh Sean Baker's last movie? The one that was up for like, I think movie of the year last year. You guys remember the name of it? Guy who did tangerine. He did a movie last year. Oh, no. Um, about the guy who was a former porn star and uh, was trying to get back in the business, trying to find his way because he'd been exiled. It was great. It was great. And the reason I'm thinking of a Sedona is because he shot the whole thing, I think, with one light. <laughs> like, you know, Sean Baker's famous for having shot 
on tangerine on cell phone. Uh, Red yeah. Rocket, thank you, producer Elise. By the way, Sebastian, your founder is Justin Stokes of the MTSU Film Guild. So there's your, that's who you're the founder of. Yeah, really? Justin Stokes. Look at that. I have to link yeah, up. Get, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see yeah, what's hit up. Hit him up man. on his, he, he has something. an IMDb page, so you can, you can hit him up and, and find him. But yeah, Red Rocket was so good and super, super, super underrated. And when I was able to read, I think I read it on Gotham, uh, the Gotham, that how he shot it. I was like, oh, there's no way. And he just had one big ass light. But, he, you know, so, so but you make I, it I love hearing stories right? like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love hearing stories like that, Sedona, because you, you're making it work. I, I am curious, how did you get into hearing that story? How did you get into film in the first place? I've been an actress and a writer for a long time. I've been acting since I was 12. Um, and I booked my first feature when I was six, 15. I'm from Arizona. That director told my parents like, hey, if she's serious about this, she's she is talented and you guys should go to LA. And I'm extremely lucky. My parents are incredible human beings. Um, and mm. my dad took me out to LA and I had no idea how the industry really worked because Arizona back then, not a lot of film going on. So I just walked into agencies with my headshot, resume, and demo reel on a CD. Wow, I feel old. Oh. <laughs> like I straight up walked into CAA and I was just like, hey, you guys taking on clients? And bless the receptionist. She was just like, um, you need a referral, sweetheart. And I was like, okay, thanks. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walked into a different agency and he actually was like, all right, fine, I'm going to watch your demo reel. And then he looked at my dad. He's like, if you lived here, I'd sign her. And my dad got an apartment the next day. So wow. I've been doing films for a long time. I have been making very crappy short films for a long time. <laughs> um, my first one. Out, she's lying. They're great. Al, you have not <laughs> Alex, seen my Alex, first Alex one. she's being she's being humble. Right? <laughs> like she's being she's playing the humble right now, isn't she? No, the first one's really bad. It's really bad. Um, but I have always loved writing and with Hollywood the way it is, I never wanted to wait for roles that I wanted to play. So I started writing and creating my own stories. I moved to Nashville with a broken leg. So I wasn't able to mm. get out as much. And the 54 was actually my way of like, I'm going to jump into this film community and I'm going to start being a part of it. And then COVID hit. <laughs> so yeah, I've been doing, I've been doing films. For, it's like the punchline to everybody's story. Exactly. I've been doing it for <laughs> yeah. a hot minute. And then COVID hit. Just to go back to what like Alex has said, like I was, I remember seeing Alex in the 54 the first time. They had a freaking dinosaur in their film. And I'm just staring <laughs> at my computer screen like, Fudge muffin? Did they get a dinosaur in there? You can cuss on this podcast. For okay, cool. I honestly. Yeah, but fudge muffin is so cool though. I fudge muffin's it. better though. <laughs> yeah, I, right. Admittedly, better. I admittedly am, better. Yeah. I curse like a sailor, so I'm so surprised I haven't cursed yet. So that's a win. For yeah, me. We, we we want the real yeah. use of it. Yeah. Um, oh fuck yeah! Okay, good. Yeah, my mom would be so proud that I. Went this nice way. restraint. Nice restraint. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I wanted to work with Alex like so bad immediately, and like Alex, I know you know this, but. I've just been doing it for a long time. And so I've learned to get creative last year when Alex and I, different Alex, my best friend's also named Alex. It was confusing on one of the sets we did. I was choking her in our film and we oh. didn't have a DP. Oh. So she was kind of holding one leg under her. And then I had 
the camera stand trapped between my legs while I was <laughs> trying to <laughs> to fake poker. Yeah. It was right. it was a lot, and there was definitely a solid five minutes of a take where it's just the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of trial and error and just doing what you yeah. need to, to get the shot done. Yeah. Awesome. And everybody's got a story like that when they get started too. And when they're trying to branch out and do new things, I, I remember a great story from Chad McLaren, who's a great uh, writer and director, cinematographer here in the Nashville filmmaking community. And he shot, I think he shot like an entire, was it Nick? Was it a, was it a commercial or a scene on some black magic camera and, and it, and he didn't have it turned on Oh, for or, or, or it was turned <laughs> on, but he did, but he didn't, Is he just didn't record situation it. or something. I can't remember what it was <laughs> like it, it so, there was a, there was a setting that you have to have on those cameras. that's very specific that he didn't know about. And the funny thing about it is he, he had to kind of lie about why they needed to do it again. Cause you know, <laughs> cause you don't want to lose everybody's confidence. Like when they find out they did a whole thing and you didn't record it. I can't remember. We have to ask him, Nick, what that was, but like these kind of things, you know, they, they happen even in the, in the podcasting world, we've had some serious heartbreak, just like making errors with software recording. Some of the best moments on our podcast will never, ever, ever be seen because they're deleted. They just don't <laughs> exist. They're just, they're just, they're just gone. So, you know, it is, it's all part you know, of the process. It, it, it's, it's part of the process that, you know, it, it is what it is. So outside of community, Sebastian, Paul, the, any other suggestions for the 54? I mean, this is like my first 54 okay. ever. Um, but I'm just thinking outside the box because a lot of groups tend to struggle finding talent and stuff. I was thinking maybe in the future, talent agencies can put themselves out there for groups. That's just something okay. I So you're of. thinking, wow. you're thinking C- CAA, UTA have a partnership with yeah. the 54? Is that kind of, yeah, yeah, or, are you nice. thinking more think on the lines nice. of like a talent agent locally, like a Cookie McCray? Cookie McCray. My man or a, to CAA, um, you gotta love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I think big. That's right. Go big or go. I don't know. I don't know. It's just. It's just like they're actors trying to make it out there, and they could. This could be their time. Time to shine. I actually like the other actor, Mm -hmm. Rob. uh, It was actually his first time acting ever in anything, and and I can't believe that either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Great job. We we had auditions, and we were like, we have to get this guy a chance, and and he told me when we were gonna shoot like yeah this is my first time on this i was like what are you talking about do you, man? i couldn't do you believe think, it sebastian and and you know i guess any any anyone that has an answer from the guild could could chime in but i i'm starting to get the sense too that like the need to create content for social media whether the need or the want i should say you're starting to see people who at some basic level seem to know how to perform in front of a camera do you feel like maybe there is like a, a basic level of acting people can perform that they weren't able to perform in the past, maybe just because of social media? I would think so. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people out there, especially, you know, with the with TikTok and YouTube and that that need to like create and be seen nowadays that really has, I think, given people this 
almost like new ability to sit in front of a camera, you know, like stare directly into the lens and just yeah. talk for a while and develop sort of a second personality to that. Oh, that's an interesting and way I to put it. That's, yeah. And I think that's just like, you know, something that's come around with these new innovations and technology and stuff like that. It's like you're able to create an, a secondary character. So there's the real you, like Sedona just said, like, there's me that's not cursing. And then there's me in real life that curses every, like a sailor. <laughs> but, but like we do this all the time. We compartmentalize all the time. There are, there's time and place for everything, right? And a generation or two growing up with this technology saying, look, I can recreate some version of myself online that really knows how to perform, that really knows how to act. Like, like I <clears> think <throat> about people like King Bach. Is that how you say his name, Nick? Botch, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, because he's the king from, from the back, back, yeah, yeah, back from uh, Vine or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, that motherfucker's funny, man. Like he's funny, <laughs> but I don't know if he can act. Like people are trying to put him in movies, yeah, but I don't know if he can act. I know he can act like him, that that version of him that he puts on social media, and that's who so if you make a movie with him, in movies. That's what he yeah. plays in movies. That's yeah. If, if he's in a movie and you try to make him someone else, he can't like, like Alex Bowling. I'm just, I'm not pointing her out out of favoritism because I know her, but, but simply that I'm, I've seen her act before and I know her. So she can do a lot of different characters. She can be a lot of different people. I'm sure Sedona, you've been acting a long time. You can do it too, you know, but it feels like when you learn to act for social media, you've developed one or two characters you can really, really do. And that can be tricky for somebody like you, Sebastian, where you're trying to pick people who can really perform and embody a character. Yeah. And what you guys didn't know is that Joseph is a gangster rapper on TikTok. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you can have a completely different persona. Completely different persona. <laughs> I was going to ask yeah. him to, you know, throw a few bars you know, while yeah. we were here, but that, that's like you said, there's a time and place for everything. And his TikTok covers that. So, yeah, it's all good. I see you, bro. I see you. And, 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 and look, Nick, <laughs> we did this and we did it, but we did it in reverse. So I've witnessed this in reverse. So we had a we have a horror film called All Light Will End and it has Sam Jones the third in it from uh, Smallville. And he can really act like he can really act, act. But on social media, he's totally different than yeah like it's a persona. set he's like uh, a miami gigolo i guess is what would be Basically. his persona yeah like to follow him on social is not good if you're trying to like watch a movie where he's playing a different type of character because it's just watch, he's so no, no, convincing as both yeah but to watch him on social is also not good if your significant other is, <laughs> is right at your, your phone, shoulder. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. You can't do no. it. Uh, That's not safe for wife. That's not safe for wife. I said, I think you bring up a really interesting point when it comes to social media and and actors nowadays. And I do do both, and I have a love hate relationship with social media and TikTok. Mm. I think we all do, right? Yep. But my fiance and I were actually just having this conversation about how everybody has their real persona and then everybody has their their social media persona like for me like i cosplay on my social media and i'm actually trying to get not away from that but i'm trying to bring more of my actual self into it and then Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's something a little controversial (laughs) but then you have people who are on social media and are 
acting on social media and on TikTok mm. and just mouthing the words to the lines from the movies and the movie audios. And don't get mm. me wrong, there are some actors that are on TikTok like myself, or there are some just really talented people that are on TikTok and can portray those emotions. And then there's people who think that they're actors because they have followings now, but they yeah. don't know how to be in front of a camera. They don't know any rules or etiquette on set. And then they are pigeonholed into that one role that they do because that's their that's become their entire personality and persona. But then at the same time, with the generation we have now, those are the people that are getting recognition and hailed and then suddenly offered parts and movies where you're like, then you have struggling actors who now we feel like we have to be on social media. Otherwise, we're losing opportunities in the film world. So it's an interesting, yeah. frustrating juxtaposition, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's yep. the what's the cheerleader from LSU that lived in the TikTok house for a while? She's like uh not not the DeMello girl, but the other girl. Duh, duh. I don't know. See, I don't even know the people. Not Charlie <laughs> DeMello, but the but the uh, I think anyway, that's a situation like that. And I think for me and Nick and like anybody we work with that we talk to, you know, that's one of the most dangerous kind of people to cast that you describe, Sudan. Because what happens is is you cast them, it doesn't work out. You might have to let them go, replace them, or you're really trying to push them to their best performance and they don't appreciate the push, but because they have such a big following, mm -hmm. they can really turn around and do damage to your brand and your film. And make no mistake, when you're an independent filmmaker, your film is not your brand, you are the brand. And so you have to avoid getting brand hits like that, like the plague, because you're gonna make a bunch of films, just like you said, Sedona, you've made a bunch of short films, but the, the brand lies with you, not any of these individual films. People are trying to follow your specific journey. And I think that's true. Honestly, I said independent filmmakers. I think that's true of any filmmaker. Like they're the brand. The films are their products they sell or whatever. But everything has to be poured into them. And the last thing you want is somebody that has a big enough, someone toxic and untalented that has a big enough following to really fuck you. You know, no mercenaries. No mercenaries. It's not to yeah. say that there aren't extremely talented people on TikTok. I'm not saying that. <laughs> TikTok. Right. Yeah. No, right. of course not. Of course not. But it's just, yeah. it's one of those things that it's, especially as social media has become more prevalent, even more so than it has been, that I've just been noticing more and more. And it, like, as someone who has been a struggling actor for over a decade, it's frustrating and it, it, it hurts. And like, yeah, I'm absolutely speaking out of jealousy right there. And I'll fully admit that. But to see full on big roles go to people who don't even know what a slate shot is. And I'm like, yeah, it's really tough. It's going to keep going, but it's going to take some curveballs with the introduction of, let's say expanding platforms and, and debundling. So we have this theory, by the way, it's kind of this like ridiculous thing, but there's some truth in it. All innovation is either bundling or debundling. So if everything's unbundled, then just bundle it. And then that's innovation. <laughs> so that's what we had when we had cable. It was like, oh, you have all these disparate channels. We'll just put them all together on one package and we'll call it your Xfinity package or whatever you know service you use. And then now the innovation is let's just debundle that. It's all a cart, baby. Everything, just pick pick your experience. 
And that's innovation. And now you're seeing with fast TV, like Pluto and other channels like that, we're going to bundle it back together again. And then that will be innovation. And we, the consumer and the filmmaker, we're just kind of chasing that tail. And so I think these kind of conversations are really important because it helps us navigate some of the insanity versus bottling that all up and just wanting to scream and not being, you know, able to like truly do that. Uh, Paul, I know you were about to jump in when Sebastian was giving his recommendation. What were you going to say? What are you thinking? Yeah. So I know uh, this year and potentially in years past, they partnered with lens rentals and we got a credit to be able to rent some gear from them. So if they maybe had um, a one page poster flyer thing that they say, Hey, let's go three months out from, or however far out and ask lens rentals to just slip it in the box. And because people that are renting the gear, they're probably creators and they're going to be from all over the country. So by doing that, then you could create a database around the country of people that are legitly filmmakers that are renting these equipment pieces. So if you put maybe a little flyer in there and say, Hey, We've got this fun thing coming up in a couple months, whatever. Join our social, join this, whatever database we want to create. Then people from across the country, you know, you can maybe create a little network that way. It's an interesting thought. I I think instead of a database, like you see at entertainment commissions, it should be a Facebook page. And this is the one thing that Facebook still does really well. Actually does better than almost any other social media network. And Twitter does it well, but the problem with Twitter is people don't even know the feature exists. So that's why Facebook gets the nod here because you can do Twitter lists and they're really powerful. But with, with Facebook groups, mm, I don't know if any social media network does that better in like one of the tricks of even branding and marketing, which is, you know, what we do is to have a giant Facebook group of, of filmmakers that have all agreed like, so you can set up rules before someone can join your group. I guess everybody knows that. And one of the rules is that you never tear the other filmmaker down and you always upvote them. And so when somebody's film comes out, you have this group of, you know, a thousand, 2000 filmmakers that have all agreed to go on IMDb and five star your movie reviews really Mm -hmm. matter. Like they've all agreed to go to rotten tomatoes and leave a great review. And it's a little trick. It's how we can stick together. It's almost our version of Wall Street bets, you know, like from Reddit. Like, okay, we know what the studios are doing. We know what the big boys are doing. Yeah, we're not going to be like your stepping stone. We're not going to be like, you know, under the rug here. We're going to use the power of community and crowdsourcing to get the outcomes we want. And I think better than a database that's static sitting somewhere, you could have a Facebook group where people are, it's easier to sort of update who you are, what you are, what your skill set is. The one thing I can say about everybody on this call is you got started as one thing and now are many things. Yeah, right. And it facilitates <laughs> like the, and, and, and facilitate that will continue. Community. Yeah, you facilitate a community yeah. with that, you know, with the Facebook group. And I think that's ultimately what we're getting at. Right. How do you share information? How do you share opportunities? How you how do you connect with other people who you might want on your projects? So I think again, I think Paul is spot on by having the data Right. The hmm. let's say the 54 could really use that. Uh, the company that's selling something could use that. But how does the how do the filmmakers benefit? 
right? And I think that's where Chris extends that to say you put a group, now everybody can benefit from you know the folks you know being in that group. So yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, on both your parts. Yeah, and Nick, I, I think it's actually one of the final frontiers for advertisers. It's the one Space. place. Uh, oh, no, you said- well, Facebook spaces, <laughs> uh, Facebook groups. I think so. You said, "Don't I, I got think, that?" Come on now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think groups like this though are wildly, wildly ignored. It's crazy. There, there is there is one thing we use um, quite a lot on campus, and it's called. And I don't know if y'all know Discord. Yeah, yeah. is great. We, we've been we've used that, and th- there should definitely be like a Discord for like resources and like 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 people finding jobs there should there should be something like that yeah because i know that there's a yeah that's that's how we totally agree with that i think there's a business one out there it's called slack it's basically discord but without like for it's not for gamers it's for like businesses which i mean we all know discord has been used for many many things beyond that space but um yeah oh yeah even class yeah right right yeah the issue with discord is the barrier to entry for let's say 75% of the population with Slack, Slack got purchased by Salesforce. Salesforce. Uh, Anyone can be in, can be invited to a Slack. I think Slack is incredible. We meet, you know, Bonsai Creative was very, very early on Slack. So early that we were beta testers on Slack. Really? I will look into Slack. I, I recommend Slack. Yeah. We use it to this day and it's, it's been, it's been great. The producers guild uses it. So all of the producer guild resources that I get come from this producers guild slack. And I have no complaints about slack. I just think it works a little differently. Meaning that it's, it's, these are closed boxes, Sebastian. And, And the point I was making is that if, if I owned that camera company that Paul was talking about, how much, safety net could I build by being the one company that's part the and agreed upon by the members part of this group of people that will only rent from me because I was there for them for in a 54. They'll only rent from me because I can, I, I have someone I hired that regularly messages the group, communicates all my sales go directly to them right away. I give them special URLs like businesses aren't doing this. It blows my mind. Like there's all these groups, significant groups, sized groups that sometimes it's the admin's fault. I think this happens on Reddit as well. Certainly happens on Discord, Sebastian, but it's like the admin's like, no, we don't want any ads in here. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to curate it. Yeah. You don't want spammy ads. You don't want ads you don't want, but you do want businesses in there that you have curated and vetted. So that again, like Nick said, to the mer- not non-mercenaries. Yeah, that provide value to the community. That's the whole point. <laughs> that's yep. that's that's it. It's a gold mine. It, there there should be a gold rush out there, and it, they, you know I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, or not, or if even Facebook promotes it that way or wants it to work that way, you know. So we'll, you know we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, going going forward. But I, th- I think all those are really great suggestions. And I know Apollonia is going to hear this and she'll be able to take these suggestions and sort of like 
see how much of that she can uh, accomplish for the for the next time. Yeah, because we can I tell think, Chris by his yeah, demeanor, ahead. her character, that this is what she yeah. wants. <laughs> right? Like yeah. she wants to continue to grow this program. She wants the insight and the creativity from all of these filmmakers. And, you know, she's the one behind setting this up. So I, I'll definitely want to say thank you to her for making sure that this opportunity can yeah. happen and, and getting these folks on, recommending them. I mean, this has been awesome, you know, so just, you know, big kudos to her, you know, big golf clap. There it is. There it is. I love it. There it is. <laughs> well, done. Awesome. well done. If I can add one more thing about a uh, 54, so a really yeah. small one, really small one. I know that there's a few people who have done it for the first time. Is that anyone else has, has anyone else done it before? Yeah. Okay. Does anyone remember when the curveball wasn't mandatory? Mm. yeah I, I actually really liked that it was mandatory but i remember the last time that i'd done it because this is the first time that i've done it since um i think 2017 maybe 2018 probably 2017 point being i remember it was like in the last 12 hours i was when the curveball challenge happened uh and it was a non-mandatory i i just really like that like last minute like flip the script i remember there was one it was uh the prop was a, a clock um mm. and then the uh, curveball was break the clock oh which that was a really fun one. That was a really fun one. But it was that was at the time where it was optional. So, you know, you used to be eligible for the curveball challenge. But yeah, I like how it's mandatory. That I mean, I think it's a big challenge. But there's something about me that like I I, I would have liked, uh, you know, in the last 12 hours, the mandatory curveball. That would have just been a throw. I don't know. It's a it's a fun one. Nice. I yeah. like it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. The competitive person in me is just like, oh, yeah, I want to try it. <laughs> Yeah. I know I would probably drive my film team insane. In addition to like that sort of craziness, there's a contest that I would love to see the 54 do. Maybe maybe in addition to the 54 cuz it would dramatically change the current 54. But I think the organization is called Women in Entertainment and they just did a contest, a film contest in New York where you submit for the job that you want to do in a film. You're not saying what team you're signing up with. You're mm. saying, I want to be a director. I want to be an assistant camera. And they assign you two teams. So it's like, you've never, mm. you may have worked with these people before. You may have never worked with these people before. It could be a nightmare, but it could be awesome. And that's, that's kind scary. of stuff I would love yeah. to see. It's like cool. It. Scary. Yeah. Scary, but cool. Go ahead, Sebastian. I was just saying that that's an awesome idea. Um, I mean, it's like it's like having a draft, a random yep. draft. I mean, you don't pick, but it's just randomized. You know, it's, it's so cool. I love you that. You might as well do Dude, it like a, like a fantasy football draft. Just like go to a, a, B, a B-dubs. Go to Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings. <laughs> with uh, 100 wings. With the advancements in, oh, in yeah. AI recently, it'd be interesting to see like a like – a, so the main 54 and five plus four happens, you know, once a year. Then in the middle, like six months later, there's like a two minute long short film contest. Yeah. But your idea is uh, AI generated, just random film. And mm. that, I think that'd be cool. I think that'd be really fun. Just some sort of challenge midway through the year. If we, if like we can, we'll, we'll send you a link to a film that was 100% made by AI. I would love to see um, it. We're <laughs> going to, I think it's going to, I think it's going to show up in um, our newsletter tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so full disclosure to those that are listening in the audience, we are recording this on March 23rd and our newsletter comes out on the 24th. Do subscribe to that. It's awesome. Bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. Join 
quite a few filmmakers just like yourself. You will enjoy it. But yeah, we're going to put that link in there in the, in the newsletter tomorrow. And this movie was completely made by AI. Could you guys have done a better job? Yeah. Is it remarkable? Yes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Did you guys see the latest South Park? Do you guys even still watch South Park? I, I watch it, but I don't. I haven't watched recent episodes. I just watch it for yeah. shits and giggles. You feel me? Like like my, me and my roommates, we were like, yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. laugh, and we just look at an old episode. But no, that's not recent. What, I, I what, stopped what watching it sort of in the middle, just because I became like an adult or whatever. And then uh, somewhere along the way, uh, somewhere along the way, which was really disappoint, true disappointment right. for me. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and then it started. It got added to HBO Max. And so I've been able to watch it again because it's kind of in my face when I'm like, oh, just got done watching The Last of Us. Let's like turn on South Park, you know, and because, you know, it's still funny. Now, no one else around me can stand it, but I think it's genius. So uh, and I always have in one of the latest episodes, one of these kids figured out that they could manage their girlfriend better. If they let chat, it was Stan. It wasn't Stan yet. It ended up being Stan, but yeah, no, I saw that. Yeah, quote. so but it started with a, a, another boy first that that put. I think his name is Clarence. That put Stan on to Chat GPT. He said, "Look, Bro. I was fighting with my girlfriend. She's always mad at my emoji <laughs> reply text. So I just let Chat GPT text my replies for me, and she loves me more than ever. Right. So it just kind of raises the. My point isn't about South Park. My it raises the question." We have a couple of beautiful females on this on this pod. What would you do if you found out your boyfriend or fiance in your case, Sedona, had been texting you for the last year using Chat GPT? I'd be pissed as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I would be pissed off as fuck. Now, but how come? Like you love right. the responses. You got the, yeah, this is not exactly. from him. Like that's hey, but- okay. A that shows a lack of effort and willingness in the relationship. So fuck off at that. <laughs> what do you think? Kenda? No, Kenda, Kenda, talk to oh, talk yeah. to. Me. No, I would be like, okay. I would be like, uh, I gotta go. Really, Kenda's out too. <laughs> yeah, I'd be. Sedona, out. you're you're pissed, but you're not. But but you don't dump him, right? Like you, you, you're like, I fucking might if he can't even bother to text me. I fucking might dump his ass. Ring or not. Well, I mean, he went, he went through the effort of like proofreading, or maybe he wasn't proofreading, but maybe he was like, he downloaded the Bryson. He he had to go to ChatGPT and like type in a prompt and like what to text my girlfriend. So I mean, copy and paste. Yeah, copy and paste message. Exactly. It's a lot of work. That's why he's saying. He's like, look. It's like, don't expose me, guys. Exactly. Don't do this. Don't do this to me. <laughs> the point is, is that this can be happening to anybody, even in reverse as we speak. And I don't know if we can tell the difference. That's where we're at with it. Well, isn't that crazy? Is it? Then we just get the, the the news that the WGA is allowing AI writers, writers to use chat. They retain mm-hmm. what is it? The the rights, the, the credit. credit. So, yeah. like, it's a that's why everyone thing. should do improv. <laughs> Well, go, go like on that. It. Go on that, Alex. What, like what do you it. mean? Yeah. T- t- what do you mean by that? If you have no script, you're doing like a, I don't know, you know, best in show type thing. 
you okay. got your outline. Christopher, I'm not guest. saying you always do that, but that's just the benefit of, you know, improv also. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I think the thing that's weird, the, the question they brought up in through the humor and, and through satire is the chat GPT gives you everything you always wanted. But if you found out it was happening, you'd be pissed to sit on his point. And, and all jokes aside, I would not be happy with that if I found out my girlfriend had was texting me like wasn't really texting me like I because we do feel catfished when we find out that the person we're communicating with let's say on social media you know ended up being like you know a a 70 year old man or a bot (laughs) you know what I mean like like we we do feel that way like like I think I mentioned the man part because there's a there's a story that just recently came out with the was that Asian girl was really like a 50 year old guy uh, pretending oh to be an Asian God. girl, but he's able to use like the AI to change his face. The lens uh, did it. Yeah. He didn't have to do anything. He just had yeah. to use the Snapchat lens, I think. A filter. Could could you imagine imagine chatting with someone on like Tinder, Bumble, or whatever, <laughs> and they're just chat GPTing it the whole chat way, GPT. and then you meet oh, them, it's like, hey, imagine. But imagine you, you meet them, and they're still doing chat GPT, right? You're just talking, you just, you just look yeah. at the phone. <laughs> They're breathing right. chat GPT. Like, like right. what the hell? Right. Yeah, so, so, Sebastian, they got a friend at, another, right at, a, at, a, at a booth across the table, and the friend's on chat GPT, and they you have your AirPod in. Gerard's like, kind of like telling you situation. Say. Yeah. <laughs> they just but tell hey, you how wanna, to communicate wanna, with this wanna, human I wanna, being. I want to take this little piece of advice that Alex provided, though, and, and let you all Ooh, know. yes. I'm going to say this. This is, this, is, this is relationship advice, okay? If you want to have a great relationship, then you should. And what was your what was your piece of advice, Alex? Everyone should do what? Take improv. improv. Why? Because improv teaches you something. It teaches you something very simple. So I know if I'm going to be in a conversation with my wife about something, and maybe I disagree just a little, right? Maybe I do just a little. <laughs> Then I'm not going to start the conversation by saying, no, that's a dumb idea. No, I'm going to say yes. And (laughs) right. It is a great thing. Any situation, whether it's a relationship that you have with a significant other or it's a relationship you have with your coworkers, anything. If you can keep that in mind. Yes. And that is always a positive step to the next thing that happens together. Right. So I want to. Namaste. Thank you, Alex, <laughs> for that wonderful piece of advice, because I, I will tell you, improv can help with everything. See, Sedona and Paul, doesn't matter. ChatGPT or human, you're still being managed. We're managing the relationship. That's right. That's right. We're just yes anding you all the way, all, all the way to the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yes and? Keep following me. Yes and? <laughs> I want to hit you guys with some speed round questions before you guys get out of here. Is that cool? Everybody cool with that? If I could just real quick, uh, yeah, just please. say something about, uh, like artificial intelligence in film. Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean like artificial intelligence is transforming the world of filmmaking and offering new ways to create and analyze movies from AI power script analysis or automated video editing. I mean, the technology is, uh, helping filmmakers to streamline their workflow and, and create more, engaging content i couldn't agree more there's always two sides to the compromise when any new technology is born 
think I was reading about Bryson uh, two days ago was neural controlled technology and software, neural control. And this is uh, some people will say, oh, this is coming. No, it's here and we don't realize it. So every big tech company has already bought the companies, already made the deep investments. And so one of the canaries in the coal mine was when Apple got found to have an extra piece of hardware in their home pods that they had not disclosed. Hmm. Right. And there's a book called taking back. I think it's called, it's called taking back your brain or taking control of your brain. Anyway, this is the next step. This is where they're going. I drive a Tesla. There's a camera in them in the, in the cabin. This camera can tell when I'm not paying attention. It can tell Hmm. when I fell asleep because if I'm using autopilot, or full self-driving, it wants to know that and it wants to take back over or wake me up. What's going to be added to that will be the ability to, to, to see waves and you know from my body, from my brain. Uh, this technology, Bryson, is going to be in AirPods where you put the AirPods in and it can tell whether you're tired or not. It can tell if it's playing a song you like or don't like. One of the experiments I read about was you name your favorite song and then they scan your brain waves to see how your brain reacts to your favorite song. (laughs) And then you have your least favorite song and they scan how your brain reacts to your least favorite song. And so they can tell they can you're going to be able to create a playlist based on what you're thinking. And by triangulation at, at minimum a tech company or a device will be able to tell what you're thinking about based on your brainwave, the same way that an editor in film or audio will edit just based on the wave, just on the sound wave. Right? So this is what is happening next. And there's something very terrible about that, in my opinion. And then there are some cool consumer applications for that too, right? You'll never hear another bad playlist in your life. For example, Uh, maybe your sleep gets better But what you give up is control of your brain, because if my brain has a very specific pattern, when I say the word Bryson Sams or the name Bryson Sams, that device is going to know that. It'll say, oh, he's thinking about Bryson Sams. But the real (laughs) application of that will be I'm thinking about Coca-Cola and then I will Mm. see an ad for Coca-Cola when I pick up my phone next. Only by thinking about it. It's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. And these things are already in several devices, but people don't yeah. know. It. They won't. And then, they're not yeah, talking about it. And you got that, Chris, not just the brainwaves, but what they're using now, like you <laughs> mentioned, is that a lot of this stuff has actually been used by these larger companies. Like, you know, I'm loving the fact that Alex is rocking the Adidas right now because, you know, Chris, I'm a big Adidas guy, right? That's, that's so, your, yeah, that's your yeah, thing. That's rock heart, right? You rock with the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> Why you go there? Why you what? go there? Oh, Why, you go? Why I, you go there, bro? That wasn't, I, that, I was it's thinking just, that. You're right. Just and Riverside just, just, knew I was thinking about it and made it come out. man's mind. name is Adolf. Don't go there. All right. So anyway, <laughs> but they have a way of reading your, your facial movements. And this is what they do with some folks when they're designing new shoes, right? Is that right? Either facial wow. movements or your eye mm-hmm. movements to see how you react. Right. So basically they would put these glasses on you that would track different parts of your face that would tell them whether or not you liked the shoe. Right. So think about something like that where you can just map a person's face. It's the same kind of thing. What are the triggers that someone does not even need to speak? That's the idea. How can I get it so that I don't you don't need to tell me I can just glean that information from triggers 
that can then allow me to know something about you or to provide something to you. So yeah, it's been around what's for a name, hot what, minute. What's the name of the company that does that for uh, test screenings that we, that we put in the newsletter? Oh back? yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what you were alluding to, right? You could have a room. Producer at least might find that for us. Yeah. Actually. Kairos. What does she have? Yeah. Karyos. It's Greek. Yeah. yeah. So you can yeah. have, so, so this maybe, company, yeah, you, you guys should look up Karyos. It's K A I R O S. And of course you can check out what Nick was talking about just by going to probably to adidas.com. But Karyos, they, they have the best test screening on the, on the planet. And what they do is they put cameras on the audience and these cameras are so sophisticated that they can identify hundreds of micro facial movements. So they can tell when the plot point works or doesn't work. Hmm. The audience doesn't even have to fill out a survey at the end. It's not like a normal test screening where somebody sends you a Google sheet to fill out or there's a survey outside the door. They know whether you liked it or not. They know if it worked or not. And I think that there's a, like I said, there's two sides to everything, right? Just, this is a double-edged sword. It's super pervasive and scary. Like I see Sedona's face. She agrees. Super pervasive and scary. On the other hand, we know for sure that people say and think different things. Like I tweeted yesterday that like it was in response to my, to, to, a, to a fellow colleague and filmmaker actor, Chris Green, who is in uh, Queen of the South. He shared this video where this girl had broken up with the guy and she said it wasn't about him not making as much money as her. And by the time the conversation ended, it was basically clear that she wants a man that does better than her. That's just her preference. But she had to be taught through that. Like her ego, her best self thinks, no, man doesn't have to make any money. He just needs to be stable. He doesn't make, you know, and then there's been examples in, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, where they did this survey with all these speed daters in New York City. And the person that the test subject said they wanted to be with, they actually picked the opposite of what they wrote down. And what I tweeted was, I've actually seen someone suck down a chocolate palatus in front of me while talking about losing weight. Oh, of course. Like, that's the human experience. And so why rely on whether or not somebody comes out of the movie and says they hate or love a film when you can just find out there's so much money on the line now. It's like, no, I really need to know whether you liked the film or not. And so, yeah, just to your point, Bryce, and I think, you know, all this stuff is around the corner. Any thoughts on what Bryce is talking about? Nick? Oh, you know me. Well, I was going to say this is that I'm waiting for Kairos. Yeah, I'm uh, waiting for Kairos to call me so that on the funny parts, I go, (gasps) right? (laughs) (laughs) On the sad parts, I'm like, ah! (laughs) Trick it. Yeah, Exactly. I was like, you're not going to get in my brain. That's the next step. The next step is like to like fool the AIs. Yes. Well, Well, that's uh, it. (laughs) If I if I could one last thing before we move on. No, please, please, please. We got uh, what I, what I, I where to go. What I said about artificial intelligence was generated by artificial intelligence on ChatGPT. Artificial intelligence that, <laughs> is transforming the world of filmmaking, offering yeah. new ways to create and analyze movies. I and saw I you reading that, bro. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, did he come with that? Or like, no, 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 no. no. I guess I'm just not uh not good at faking it, but no. You know, but Bryson, awesome. but Bryson, like it's a great point. Like, yeah, this is the same question, you know, conversation we were having with the three ladies. It's like, should I be? Should I feel tricked by you? 
or should I feel like you just gave me the best possible response to a question that we have? See, in my, in my opinion, I think something like this is just totally, you know, you, I don't think you should have AI write your scripts for you. But I mean, for instance, I think it's a good, it's a good starting point. For instance, if I was trying to like write a paper or something like that on, on artificial intelligence and, you know, I just wanted or more if I were, if I were just doing like a, you know, a basic line of a script and I know the beginning, the middle and end, but I maybe don't know the other things, it can just kind of help me brainstorm if I don't have someone to well, talk well, to. Let me, let me jump right? in the, on that one. Right. So it's yes. And right. So the yes. Right. And in that mm, is mm. if you want to write something from a perspective, then chat GPT can help, right? Because the perspective that chat GPT took was that AI is a positive influence, right? Right. So you could go to chat GPT and do the opposite perspective and it will give you the opposite perspective. Chat GPT has no soul, right? Right. Yeah. right. It has yeah. no opinion. It has the information to support the position that you want to present, which is why it could be helpful in writing scripts because you could have two different characters in your film who yeah. are diametrically opposed to a certain idea. And you want to know if I'm on this side, what would I say? If I'm on this side, what would I say? So create a debate between those two. So yeah, you're right. It's a great foundation, but I think that's the thing you have to remember is that it will give you a position based off of the source from which it got its information. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, in, in my opinion, it's always the the human aspect of film is the is the most relatable and you're not going to get that from chat gpt or ai well also just just think about guys like and gals the the nature of creativity the nature of creativity isn't about having limited choices it's about having unlimited choices the most creative people that you knew growing up were, were probably the class clowns in your classrooms because they were they were picking from choices that you didn't know existed even though it was inappropriate to pick from those choices. So I think that's one thing. And, and that's what we have to look for, really. It's like right now it's a parlor trick to me. But when AI can actually use uh, creativity to get what it wants, true creativity, that's, you know, this is that David Deutsch argument that the reason we know humans are special is because we figured out fire. That's just like one of many reasons, obviously. But no other animal has figured out how to harness fire on their own, even though it'd be useful to them. Like, so you could argue that it'd be very, very useful for, let's say, a, a pack of wolves in the cold to know how to build a fire. Be very useful, but they can't do it. They can't figure it out. So if an AI, an AI cannot go in to next point, cannot go out and build a fire. Can, has the information to do it, but can it just create something out of nothing? There it is. And bring I was just going to say together. that. That, that yeah. is it. Right. That is the what one human beings did is we harnessed do. fire out of nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We, yeah, we that was creative, yep. true creative. All right. So let and me get Joseph, into these, did you have something? These you got the mic. Rounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Joseph, go for it. I just wanted to add Please. on to that real quick. Just the, because a lot of the times when we were talking about AI and when we hear about AI from outside sources, we hear, is it, hear of it as like a solution to a problem that doesn't really exist. And I think oh, that's interesting what we really need to aim for, yeah, whatever, I think we, what we really need to aim for, especially in our own community, is to try to you know, help people to see it as more of a tool rather than a solution. Because when it becomes a solution, then the cre like you guys were saying, the creativity and the overall like, effect that we can have on our own community gets lost. Yep. You know, you don't talk a lot, brother, but when you do. <laughs> that's right.
Lays it down. <laughs> it hits. It, hit, it, hey, hits, it hits hard. I'm sorry, bro. He's hard. a gangster go. rapper, remember? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's dropping truths all the time. That's right. Line after yeah. line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> Man, a few words, but those words hit hard. That's Man. right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. So I'm going to get into these shotgun questions. I'm going to start with Paul because I got to get Paul into this. Paul, for filmmakers out there, since you come from the public space, what books do you recommend filmmakers to? to I, give me gosh, I, I don't really read a ton of books, sadly enough. I'm sorry. I, I follow a lot of you, YouTube pages and yeah. Give me, give us some YouTubes. So, I mean, I, I like a lot of the technical stuff and that kind of that kind of stuff too. So there's there's been one that he's he's the cranky cameraman and he uh, he was out in LA and now he's in Texas and he's shooting uh, all sorts of stuff and getting national news hits and showing the behind the scenes of that having to go out at five in the morning and get those first hits and setting up and working with the sun and doing all that kind of stuff. So it's just nice to see some of those professionals at the top of their game doing what they do. That's and promote awesome. the channel one more time. What's the name of the channel? Cranky Cameraman cranky is that cameraman. one. Cameraman. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. Got it. Sebastian and crew, each one of you guys can answer this. If you could be introduced to one person in film, who would it be and what makes that person special? I don't know, man. That's a question. That's a, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, I'd have to say David Lynch, man. He's a legend. Um, he's got a mind. That's all I got to say. Um, he's also like... Like I've just watched like behind the scenes of of, of like his own yeah. projects, and he's such a kind soul. He would just be someone I'd like to just sit down and talk to all day. Um, but if, yeah, that that'd be the man right. for me. Yeah, that's I great. love that. I can't tell you how many people just love either David Fincher or David Lynch. Like this, like that's their people. All right, go for it. The person I would love to meet and just like have a sit down conversation uh, with is James Gunn. I I really like his his writing style and especially his directing style. And I feel like as a writer myself, I could learn a lot from sort of his experience and especially uh, <laughs> see after following him on Instagram for a while, just seeing how many drafts of a script he'll go through. I just it's insanely interesting to me, and I would love to just. Yeah. yeah, it's a great point you make again, because I, I love when we, we kind of got out of doing this because it was taking up so, so much time. But I actually did one yesterday uh, for a friend of the company, I would say, uh, script review. And one of the greatest things to hear is like, I think this is pretty much my, my final draft here before you get the note. It's like, right. <laughs> don't say this is your final draft. I'm about to give you a note <laughs> right. that is At going to rock your world because right. you are not close to final draft on this. And the other thing people always forget is don't be precious about your final draft when you, when you get there because you're going to have to rewrite it every single day on set anyway. All right. Kenda. Let's see. I, I would have to say, and it's ever since I was little, and I grew up on his films, uh, Tim Burton, yep. because I like how weird he is, like his films. I just like the style, his, the way. I just Are you also a weirdo, Kenda? Yeah. yeah, I am. I'm a straight up weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if I come to your group. house, what's the, what's the weirdest group. thing I'm going to see? 
Like what, what is the thing oh, in your house that oh. would make me think right away? Oh, she's kind of different. Jack Skellington's head hanging well, from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I have, we have like a little puffer fish hanging from See, my yeah, ceiling. Dude. <laughs> yeah. So we collect vintage stuff and I'm like, yeah, we have weird That's stuff. That's awesome. House. I love it. Now, love is it. the puffer fish the fish that is poisonous if you don't cook it correctly? It is. is. Right? So, yeah. yes, you got to slice yeah. it a so, certain way. So there's this club in yeah. Japan. They made a movie about it. But there's this yep. club in Japan. I think Alex saw this movie with us at one of our filmmaker dinners, actually, where you join to to help the young chef become like an executive chef. And they cook you these this poisonous fish, this puffer fish. And there's 10 people that, at the table. And they know that, that on average, uh, three of the people are going to die. And it's a very exclusive club. Exclusive club. You got to pay a lot to get yeah. into. You have to pay. You get into it. And it's like J- Japanese Russian roulette. It's it's the, meal, <laughs> it's the meal of a lifetime. It tastes amazing. But because these are new chefs, at least three of them are going to die. And then it happens. It doesn't happen often. Like it happens once every five or ten years. And so you just keep playing the game until. And that's how know, the seats open The bullets up. in the chamber for you. But yeah, that's how the seats, the seats open up, right? Yeah, because you only yep. got 10 seats, so you, you can't get in until somebody dies. Mm-hmm. Thank you, producer Papa Bear. He says, mm-hmm. yes, it is a puffer fish. So, yeah, look that up. It's it's crazy, the choices cool. people make around puffer fish. <laughs> Thank you, kid. <laughs> I'm, I'm fu- if, if, if I had a nickel for every random story and experience I've I've lived, I've lived six lives, so I, I'm, I'm endless on this stuff. Okay. We're going to yeah, and he's, just to, so you know, he's in his six because he, the fifth one, he died eating a puffer fish. I so. died. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm like uh poos in boots. Yeah, poos. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick to chicken. <laughs> there you go. Smart man. Good call. Good call. Good call. Good call. He's a smart man. All right. Sedona, you're, you're up. All right. You've been around for a long time. You've been doing this since you were 12 years old. What are the biggest mistakes filmmakers make? And what advice would you give them to avoid those mistakes that you've seen? Ego. Having too much of an ego. Taking a slice of humble pie is a really big thing, especially in the film industry. Also, people can tell when you're trying to use them as a stepping stone. Don't do that. Don't okay. be that person. Like Growing up basically in LA from 15 to my early 20s, I... Don't I talk to very few people from my LA days because so many there are just, well, how can you help me? The actors that, you know, continue to really create beautiful work and the producers that do so, they have a team. They have people that they go to again and again. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon shared a bank account to get to auditions in New York. You know, you have the James Franco and all of the movies that they would make together. I think checking your ego is one of the biggest pieces of advice that just everybody needs in life. And Mm -hmm. you are going to create better stories if you're authentic and real. And don't be afraid to make a bad film because it's going to happen. And don't beat yourself up over it. (laughs) Just learn from it. I like it. Preach. I love that. That's, that's fantastic. There are some amazing stories that, uh, Alexi Gambus shared with us about Franco and how he would make movies at the college level with college students uh, before, you know, 
I mean, people knew who he was, but I mean, I just think it's amazing you had any stardom and you'd go back to college and make movies with, with college students. So um, anybody that, that wants to hear more about that, check out our, our conversation with Alexi Gambus, who uh, just did an award-winning film, I think, last year. Bryson, uh, I look at you in your studio and the thing that comes to my mind to ask you is if you could create a starter kit Ooh. Of, of gear for a director what would be in it? Give me the brands and the models. Hmm. Starter kit. Um, it, 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 it depends on, uh, it depends on, uh, on, on kind of what, what you're looking for and what you're wanting to do. Cause I mean, uh, there unfortunately is not like a, a one size fits all solution for everything. Um, mm. cause you know, almost every project will call for at least something different. You can sort of build out a rig that is pretty versatile and whatnot. But I, I like to think that, um, you know, we've gotten to that point now where we have, you know, a pretty versatile rig however like i'd say a starter kit um try to pick up a sony camera sony mirrorless if you can if you can afford that but even like you know the sony a6000s are, are you know fantastic like beginners cameras and uh if you can't do that then you can always go canon like the t-series like i started on a t5i learn how to use the camera that you know don't just leave it on auto mode like you know i did whenever i first uh <laughs> whenever i first let it on there but you know I, I think that's a good starter kit. You know, have that. You need some good sound. Sound is a lot more important than most people would think. Mm. You know, you need you need good sound. And if you can't record good audio on set, um, know how to do it in post. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of free resources that you can find online or find a friend that knows how to use that sort of stuff. But as far as sight and sound goes, I'd say, you know, pick up uh, probably like a, you know, T5i, T6i or, you know, Sony A6000. Um, or, you know, something in the, the Sony mirrors, mirrorless line. Um, and if you have more of a budget, get like a, you know, Sony a seven or even pick up a black magic 4k, you know, cause all of those are fantastic options. And then with sound, I'd recommend if you can't get anything else, like, uh, I mean, things are just getting cheaper these days. That's the thing. There's, there's kind of, uh, it's a lot easier to get into like a beginner rig than it, than it used to be. I'd say like, I mean, back whenever I was starting, it was like, you want to set a lavaliers and it's, oh my God, it's like so much money for for that but you know and now it's i mean there's a lot more like accessible equipment that you know has just allowed film as a medium to be you know a lot more achievable to a lot more people that would want to do it and that wouldn't want to otherwise because of you know financial restrictions and 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 whatnot but i guess that's my long form version of a of a short form answer (laughs) what's your favorite software that you're using just just really quickly davinci resolve davinci resolve uh all the way hands down um i will say i'm kind of newer um in davinci resolve um Mm -hmm. i was using premiere for about eight and a half years actually almost i guess just round that up to nine the problem was that it did not work at scale and as as me and my team grew premiere didn't and you know as we were working on you know bigger and larger projects and it, it just really wasn't cutting it, especially with our color grading workflow. We were already using DaVinci Resolve. So, you know, just learning how to edit in Resolve and also uh, Resolve 18, uh, even the free version has, you know, a collaboration feature that you can use over the air that you can use literally anywhere. Wow. And you can you can open up uh, one of those shared project libraries for $5 a month wow, and geez. get as many people on that project library as possible. And we use it all the time in our workflow, whether it's our own, you know, creative projects or, you know, client work. So it's a, it's a very beneficial software to use. And also DaVinci Resolve is free. The studio version costs, you know, a one-time fee instead of a monthly subscription. So, I, I mean, I cannot be, you know, more of an advocate for DaVinci Resolve and its, and its uh, you know, uh, workspace. I will say I still use like Adobe products for, for various things like, you know, DaVinci, like I said, for 
other things is not a you know one size fits all solution but it gets pretty darn close so uh, i awesome. think you might have sold me man we use Premiere over here. We might, yeah. might have to make that switch, Nick. I recommend it. Honestly, I've we'll used see. Premiere and I'm like, wait, you're saying there's something free and easier? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I have to, yeah. have to make that. I would, I would recommend, I would recommend the studio version uh, if if you you know have the budget for it. Um, but it is just a one time thing. Or if you if buy you a Blackmagic, <laughs> if you have the means, there you go. MPSU needs to take notes, honestly, and I need to take notes because <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna have an editing software when I get out. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. get that. And also, here's another here's another tip for you. I, I mentioned the Blackmagic 4K. Um, just for a little bit more, you could get the Blackmagic 6K, and that's actually what we shoot on. We have a 6K and a 6K Pro. Oh yeah. And you know you can rig those out. You know, over time, and they're great. I know the 4K. I personally have not shot on a 4K. I know those cameras are, I know a few people who use those and they're fantastic. The best part about those Blackmagic cameras, though, is they come with two licenses for DaVinci Resolve. So wow. yeah, really? uh, you can buy, you know, the Blackmagic 4K. I don't know if that one comes with one, but I, I would assume so. But even if you buy a Blackmagic 4K or 6K, you're getting a $400 editing software for included on that. Oh, uh, and you're just, awesome. you know, so wow. that's what we did. And that's why we made the switch because, no. you know, we were having so many issues with Premiere. <laughs> I love that. That's good to know because despite their, the battery on it is like insanely like bad. Getting a rig for like a battery mount, whatever, will make up for it. But but that that bundle with it, I, that's yeah, you guys want to see the six K rig? Heck yeah, man! Got to put it up there. Show it. Yeah, nice. Brian Lafiabo of uh, he co-founded Riverside Entertainment. Hey, he does the show um, Modern with Brooke and Bryce, or Modern. Forget what the front part of that name is, but he swears by the Black Magic six K. Yep, there's the rig. Yeah, there's, there's our rig. The rig right it doesn't there, have a battery folks. on it right now, but. For those yeah. not watching this on awesome. YouTube and just listening, Bryson has just shown us the Blackmagic 6K rig he has, and it is tasty. <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. It took a, a lot of effort to, to get there, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. It's awesome, I, This is exactly what I hoped to do with this conversation, what we've done over the last couple of minutes, because this is the power of podcasting. Like, this episode this conversation will live on forever like after we're all gone and there will be just imagine some future version of yourselves three four five six eight generations down that just heard some of these pieces of advice that are that will at that point in time feel like incredibly sage pieces of advice and wisdom and and um so so kudos and you know alex i will i will end with this We've had a lot of folks come on and talk about the grind that exists to being any type of film creative in any role. And Sedona just mentioned people wanting to know what you're good for instead of what you're good at. And so I'm just curious if you've ever been in a dark place before in this business. And if so, how did you get through it? I have actually. Uh, it was early when I was starting out. And I think at that point, you're just so eager that you kind of take the abuse and you don't, you don't value yourself as a person. And I think one of the things that we forget as a creative is we think of creativity as ourselves as being the creative thing. Like we have to do that to be the job. But the thing is like, you can't do it 
if you don't take care of yourself as a human being. That creative energy depletes and you have to know when to stand up for yourself because some people are so convinced or brainwashed into thinking that there won't be another opportunity and it's not the case because if you are standing up for what you believe in or what is right then there's always going to be another opportunity and there were situations early on where i was put in dangerous situations that i mm. did because i thought this is what's part of the acting gig or sets that I've worked on as a PA where I worked like a 17 hour day. And I was just like, oh, this is just part of the film industry. There's the people on the low end of the totem pole that are just getting started that need to know when to say no and to know that it's okay to say no. But also importantly, I think it's, I think it's important for us as filmmakers who, I don't want to say that we've made it, you know, part of this podcast name, but it's important for us to not forget that once we leave that area behind, that we would not ask those things of people who are also just coming in and eager to please and be part of the industry. So I think for me, it's always just important to remember that you can't be creatively full in this industry if you are not full and advocating for yourself as a person. Yeah. And, and that occurs to me, you know, that that yeah. hits home, right? Because of my talk track, I got a lot of these, like the no mercenaries and other things that I really live by when it comes to, you know, being a part of this community. And yeah. one of the things that I always say to people is like, don't forget, filmmakers are people too. And, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, Paul, you gave some great advice about, you know, some YouTube channels that you're watching, right? And what will happen oftentimes is that that's what we'll do. We'll say, hey, you should check out this editing podcast or youtube you should check out this directing this producing this whatever it is and you forget that maybe you should be watching you know someone's youtube channel on mental health or you should be mm -hmm. talking about you know the value of going outside and just being one with nature because you need to get back to basics maybe you do need to have a mindfulness class where you go and you learn how to find that space just for yourself where you quiet the noise that's in your head, right? Like these are all very important things. And I think you, you're you touching on all of that. Like, don't forget, you are not just the part that you're playing or the role that you're playing. You are a human who deserves to be treated well and respected as a human being. So I love everything you said, because that really resonates with me. And this one last piece of advice that I hate that I have to even bring up, but it does jump off of what Alex said, especially for women in the film industry just getting started. If a director pulls you aside and asks you to take more clothing off or do something that was not agreed upon, you do not have to say yes. There will be other opportunities. Yeah. That has happened to me twice. Both times I was under 20 and both times I said yes because I was afraid of losing opportunities. You do not have to say yes. We are getting better with having uh, intimacy coordinators on set. Yep, but yep. male or female, if a director pulls you aside and asks for something that was not originally in your contract that involves more nudity or more of a sexual situation, you as an actor, you as a human do not need to say yes. There will be other opportunities and the director is being unprofessional. Amen well, to that and, and, yep. and hear, here because that's what contracts are for. 
I remember early on in my career in, in, in the corporate world, in business, people would poo-poo contracts all the time and they would be intimidated and scared. Oh, you're, you're a suit. And I'm like, I'm wearing a suit. Uh, I'm not a suit. But let me tell you something about contracts. Contracts are chaos avoidance. It's what keeps the world from being devoured by entropy. You sign a contract as an actor for a reason. So you know what the expectations are, you know, and that you can follow those expectations to a T and have a document, a legal binding document that says this is what you're supposed to do. And by the way, I was just talking about this earlier in the week, I think on Monday, people think that that. If it's not written down in a contract, it didn't exist. It didn't happen. It's not in a contract. Wrong, wrong. Supreme Court justices and justices on all levels recognize oral contracts. (laughs) If I tell Sedona I'm going to pay her a certain amount and she says yes, and then there's proof that we went into business together, it doesn't necessarily have to be adjudicated by a witness. We have an agreement. He can use his judgment or she can use her judgment to say, no, you guys had an oral contract. Stick to it. Quit being a jerk. And so I know in the black community, especially young folks, people I mentor and I've grown up with, a lot of times they get in trouble just because they don't know what the law is. They don't even know what's possible. They don't know what to do and not do. So I think same thing in film, young actress, young actor, you're not sure what your rights are. You're not sure what you can do and can't do. It's important to listen to conversations like this, get with people who've done it before and take that advice. So yeah. Yes, and Chris, I'll, I'll call upon some advice from our friend, Frederick Taylor. Yeah. Fred right? Taylor. Yeah. Big, yep. Good Frederick, our director friend. He said, I shouldn't uh, call him Fred Taylor. Cause that was a football player too. Frederick, right? <laughs> Frederick yeah. Taylor. Just say Fred. uh, he said, yeah. you know, no is the most powerful word. Right. And you kind of look at that and you're like, well, how is that the most powerful word? Some people will say, well, love is the most powerful word. Well, like love might be the most powerful thing, but not necessarily the most powerful word. And why is no the most powerful word? Because it defines the boundaries. If you always say yes, you have no boundaries. So by saying no, you are telling people what you are and what you are not. Right. So like Sedona is saying, you say no. I am not that person that is a tool for you. You are not allowed to just do whatever you want with me. And it also says that she is a person who respects herself and her body. So those types of things. So no is the most powerful word in the world because Mm -hmm. it defines the boundaries of what you are and what you are not. Shout out to Frederick. And understood in any language, right? That's right. Yep, you got it's, like, it. it's like it's like math and music. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, universal languages. And yes, yeah, shout out to shout out to Frederick, man. He dropped he probably dropped 40 dimes in our initial conversation that you guys can can enjoy. You won't agree. Listen, just right off the bat, you're not going to agree with everything Frederick says. That's right. Frederick but, is oh, a you highly said he dropped, inflammatory he, individual. Yeah, but he dropped 40 dimes. But Joshua, don't worry. He didn't drop a dime on you. No, he did not. (laughs) (laughs) He did not. He did not. And and with that, guys, I want to, again, congratulate each of you for for your accomplishments where you've been. I know we're going to talk again in the future because you guys are going to keep going. It's just the type of 
people you are, type of creatives that you are. Can anyone answer when we find out who wins the 54 and where we can see the films? It should be next Friday. Next Friday, Friday, I believe. Yeah. It'd be Uh, March 31st. March 31st. And then uh, you can see the films on, I believe, March 28th. Hang on. I'm looking. It's uh, next Tuesday, the 28th. Um, okay where, where do we watch them on the 28th uh you can go see them at the malco theater in nashville um there's separate screening blocks so you can look at 54filmfest.com and look at that and then the awards are the award shows on uh friday the 31st at kneecat and they are also i believe live streaming that event as well heck yeah so good for the international audience that's listening to this you can stream that award show. I'm sure these films will actually show up on YouTube at some point as well. And then if you find yourself in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, you can, of course, watch these films at the Malco Theater. And you can also find the award show and watch it at NECAT, which is at the campus of Nashville State, I believe is the name of that university now. So with that, Bryson, tell us where we can find you on social media and find you on the internet and see some of your work. Yeah. So you can find uh, my personal Instagram at Bryson Sams. That's pretty simple, I guess. Then uh, you can also find Tape Slate Productions at www.tapeslateproductions.com. You can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash tapeslateproductions. If you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at team at tapeslateproductions.com and Instagram at tapeslate underscore productions. Tape Slate is spelled T-A-P-E-S-L-A-T-E. Perfect. Alex? Yes. My personal Instagram is Alex June Bugs, because June is my middle name. And my production company is Like the Game Pictures, so that is also their Instagram page. There's some link to some of our films on YouTube. And also the other producer that I co-produce with is Priscilla Wise, and her new production company is Always Sunny and 68. Beautiful. I love that name. Love Priscilla. Shout out to Priscilla Wise, friend of the podcast, Sedona. So you can find all my socials are Sedona Ferretto. Uh, Sedona is spelled like the city and Ferretto, F-E-R-E-T-T-O. My production company is now new because I like my name that I came up with during the 54. So Chaotic Fay will eventually get a production company. Um, but nice. other than that, you can see some of the shorts I created on my YouTube channel. All of my full scenes are on there or I do have some of my stuff on my TikTok as well. Beautiful. Paul. Everything for me is Epson House Productions. That's E, B as in boy, S-E-N, House Productions. And got a website, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the good stuff. Any, any, uh, is the handle the same? Is it always Epson House Productions across the board? Correct. Look at you. Lucky you. Make it easy. Lucky you. We, we, we want Bonsai Creative so bad. And there's just that sweet. (laughs) British man, I, I keep talking about. <laughs> Someone's that, got uh, it. That owns yep. it, and you know, not really doing anything with it. That's too yeah. remarkable. But uh, yeah, we're underscore bonsai creative until until uh, he passes on. Yep. And I got a couple <laughs> things, you know, EHP or Epson Productions. I I bought a couple others to make sure that whatever you put in, you're going to find it. Excellent. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right. So Sebastian, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to do it as MTSU Film Guild, or do you want to go individually one by one? We'll do individually right. because some of us need that exposure. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I for one am going to graduate this semester, this May. Congrats, man! And um, I'm looking for entry level jobs. And to look at my work that I've done, just 
look up on YouTube Sebastian Badillo. Badillo spelled B-A-D-I-L-L-O. Um, my Instagram handle is Sebastian Badillo zero zero. Producing team here, the rest of the team, they're just talented as me. I am. So they, they, they get to they get to present themselves. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Ordinary Joe, but Joe has a, a zero instead of the O because someone stole my name. I uh, really appreciate whoever did that. Uh, and then on Instagram and YouTube, it's uh, Ordinary Joe 927. All right. Nice. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Kenda, we'll end with you. Um, my Instagram is just Kenda101597. My stuff isn't, I should probably put it together on my YouTube, but it's, on the MTSU Film Guild's uh, mm. YouTube. I did the Ashes a- Ashes to Ashes last year for 54. Heck yeah. And um, I worked with a lot with uh, Molly Bolden. So it's on her YouTube. But I'm working to get it on mine, which would just be Kendall Laster. Kendall Laster. There's not. Can you spell Laster, yeah, please? Not. L-A-S-T-E-R. Just like it sounds. Oh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yep. Can't wait to see and check check <laughs> yeah. that stuff out and follow you guys uh on not on this journey, but every journey you guys take. And I can't thank you. I just uh, I just like oh, to yeah, add yeah. one more thing about MTSU yeah, Film Guild. If y'all would just want to keep up with MTSU Film Guild, we use Instagram. We just just type in MTSU F- Film Guild and we should be the first result or the only result, perhaps. Uh <laughs> well, you just got a you just got a new and, follow. Yeah. Yep. Like, oh, really? Like, I'm that's, about, that's to, about to give you guys a follow as soon as this concludes. Yep, there you for go. Sure. Yep, there it is. MTSU film. I was just listening. <laughs> Sebastian just uh, jammed his phone screen into the. Into <laughs> to my screen. eyeball. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to down now. All good, man. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I loved it. The perspectives were absolutely incredible. For those who are. Uh, listening and want to know more about each of these filmmakers, we'll link out to their socials and their films in the show notes. If you want to know more about Bonsai Creative, that's really, really easy. You can just go to underscore Bonsai Creative on Instagram, Twitter, or on TikTok, I believe as well. We're on that. You can just search for Bonsai Creative on Facebook if you want to find us there. And if you want to get in touch with Nick and tell him what you think about his V-neck cashmere sweater, you can do that at nick at bonsai.film. If you want to uh, yell at me, you can find me on Twitter at flame (laughs) in your heart. Your is spelled you are. And yes, that is a triple entendre. And uh, or you can just search for Chris Barkley on Twitter and I will come right up. And last but certainly not least, you can go to www.bonsai.film to learn everything about the Make It podcast, listen to all of our back episodes, and maybe even find yourself uh, intrigued by some branding and marketing services. And of course, that newsletter we talk about, totally free, and it comes out every two weeks. We don't spam you. It's awesome. And so with that, Nick, can you please leave us with the credo? Oh, of course, man. Of course. And, you know, this has been great. I'm going to just, you know, share love with everybody here. We appreciate you. You know, this is all about community. This is what we do. This is how we grow. This is how we get better. This is how we make it. So with that, be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. We'll do it again. Yep. Thanks, folks. Thanks for everything. All right. Be cool. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. 
If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore Bonsai Creative, and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. In addition, you can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film forward slash donate. Donations start at only $5 monthly. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your film's financial success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on services to explore a variety of branding and marketing packages and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.